I want to start off this morning uh, on a new series, and the series is called Attack, and it's based on how God gives us truth in our life, but then there's many things that kind of work against that truth. You know, what we believe in our heart, let's let's kind of set the, the framework here, the groundwork. What you and I believe in our hearts, it ultimately will determine the way that we live our life, the things that we do, the things that we don't do. The things that we believe in our heart are the things that, that help us to make decisions. It helps us to, to you know, determine priorities and what things, what actions we'll take and what actions we won't take. But also the things that we believe in our heart also will determine our eternal destiny. Now, the sources of beliefs, the things that we hold near and dear in our hearts, come from a lot of different places. They really do. Sometimes it's from, as John Wesley, our, our Methodist founder, says, there's basically four things uh, that help to, to formulate who you are and especially what it is that you believe in your heart. One of them is just information, you know, that we learn through various events and things that take place and traditions. Uh, another one is experiences. You know, we have a, a way of experiencing life, and God gives us those experiences and allows us to go through experiences. Some of them are good. Some of them are just hard to take. But we get to go through those experiences, and we learn from that. Those experiences change who we are. Another way that we learn what, what settles in our heart is through our natural God-given ability to reason. We, we can think things through and understand things through the sense of reasoning that God has given to us. And of course, as Wesley points out, the number one way that we learn and we become and we have our hearts changed is through the truth of Scripture. God gives us Scripture. So it's, it's those four things, basically. Scripture is primary, and then there's our sense of human reasoning, the experiences that we go through, and then the traditions of life that kind of teach us things. We, that's how we basically understand most things as well as the Christian faith. But there are many things that work against us. A lot of different things work against us. Um, the media. <clears throat> Here's a good example for you. You know, the media is filled with bias. Sometimes, you know, there's all this sensationalism that takes place out there, and they're just emphasizing certain things, trying to, to sway our, our moods or our understanding of something in a, in a certain way. And, of course, in life, there's also lots of different propagandas. You know, there's people uh, pushing various ideas and concepts and ideologies all kinds of things. And we can't also forget opinions. Everybody has an opinion nowadays, and everybody has a platform, especially through social media, uh, as a place that they can put their ideas out there. You know, I think this, and I think that, and, and, and now you can broadcast that basically to the world. And one of the things that's, that's come up in uh, 
in the culture here recently is this level of misinformation that each one of us is, you know, having to wade through on a on really a daily basis. All these things affect uh, what we believe in our hearts. All of these things are things that are working against us having the truth in our hearts. But probably the one thing that is the worst, the one thing that makes, you know, believing truth completely in our hearts almost impossible sometimes is the lies. The lies that we have to encounter, the lies that we listen to, the lies that we engage with. You know, as Christians, we're not exempt from it. Satan is probably the greatest liar that has ever existed and ever will. Now, if you look at the culture today, the culture today, most people believe that Satan does not exist. It's the, it's, to me, it's the greatest lie that, that Satan has kind of pushed onto the world and been successful with. It's that most people just don't believe he's even there. So he can kind of work in the background with people not even thinking he's a real threat. And yet he can go ahead and influence what we believe and what we hold near and dear in our own heart. If you go onto YouTube, and I will let you do this on your own, uh, you go onto YouTube and look up this. Look up Nightline Face-Off. And what you'll find is that TV show, I don't know if you remember it or not, Nightline, but in this particular show, one of the episodes that the, is posted on YouTube, um, they're talking about the existence of Satan and who Satan is. And they have a panel of people on stage. And in this particular first episode, um, they, they get a perspective from a Christian pastor, which is very traditional, very biblical. And then uh, Deepak Chopra, is uh, a man that is into the New Age movement, one of the leaders, and he's a, uh, an author and a speech uh, writer and giver. And uh, he also gives his opinion of what Satan is all about. Well, you know, Satan, I think, is real. He's not the horns and the pitchfork that you see running around with a you know, bag on Halloween evening trying to get all the candy he can. Satan is a being. Satan is actually an archangel. An archangel is a very special angel with very special characteristics and properties. God that we know of has created three archangels. There's the archangel Michael, there's the archangel Gabriel, and then there was the archangel Lucifer. Now these archangels are angels of worship. They're filled with wisdom, the Bible tells us, and their beauty was perfection, it says. Well, you know, Satan was kind of into himself. He knew that he was something special. He knew that he was, you know, created uh, in the image of God, but with various characteristics and, and things about him that made him very special. And rather than giving God the glory for what he had created in him, Satan himself wanted to be worshipped. Satan himself kind of fell to the temptation. He's like, look at me, man. You know, I'm pretty special. 
And, you know, because of that, you know, I want to be worshipped like God. Well, you know, because we as human beings will worship something, Satan wants us to worship him. That's the issue. You see, as I said earlier, what we believe in our heart will determine not only our eternal destiny, but the way we live our lives today, day to day. We're going to live it according to the things that we believe and we know and we understand. The Christian writer C.S. Lewis, uh, which probably most of you are familiar with, he uh, made a quote one day that I really think is quite inspirational. I'm going to put it on the screen here for you, see if I can find it. There it is. This is C.S. Lewis's um, quote. And it says, there is no neutral ground in the universe. I mean, this, this is the point of this whole message that I have outlined for you today, is that there is no neutral ground in the universe. Nowhere. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. You know, you can kind of see the parallel and you can see the resistance here. You know, God says, you know, I've created all this. I give you life. And, you know, I, I should be worshipped for this. I should be honored for what I have done in, in creating you and creating all these things. Uh, and I have a claim on it. You know, I have a claim on your life and, and every second and every spot and every place. But Satan, because he fell, because he fell into pride, he also has a claim in this world. Bible tells us he is the prince of this world and that he is the great deceiver. He's the one that attacks your mind with a series of lies so that what's in your heart is not true. Satan is an accuser who he attacks your heart with accusations and he attacks your will, your, your God-given free will with this sense of pride, which was the one thing that he struggled with quite a bit himself. This series that we're doing today is a series all about arming yourself against the attacks of not only Satan, but of the world, of, of others around you that you know, are, are promoting things that are falsehoods. And, you know, this series is about, is about we're being attacked by many different areas. What can we do about it? How do we change? How do we combat it? What is it that we do? <clears throat> well, first, we've got to remember who we're battling against. You know, this main battle that we have as Christians, holding on to the truth of God in our heart. John 8 tells us this. The devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there was no truth in him. That's exactly the way he wants you and I to be. He wants us to be just like him, not to have the truth of God resting inside of our hearts. And it continues. And it says, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Well, how did Satan attack, let's go all the way back to the beginning, how did he attack Eve? 
Well, you know, his first attack that we recognize in the Garden of Eden was he attacked God's word. You know, Satan could have tried a lot of different approaches. He really could have. He could have, you know, told Eve, you know, hey, God, you know, Adam doesn't love you. You know, he could have said, you know, things like, you know, Adam liked it before you were even here, just him and the monkeys. He was quite happy. And But instead, in attacking all of those issues that were surrounding her, that were part of her life back then, she attacks the word of God. She goes right to the jugular. In Genesis 3, we read these words. It says, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? I mean, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? I want you to notice that Satan, he didn't deny that God had spoken. He didn't deny it at all. He questioned what God had said. And for you and I, it's, it's kind of the same thing. He, he, he tells us today, he, he contrasts the word of God and he questions what God said. And he, he puts things inside of us, in our minds, in our hearts that say, like, is God's word really true? You know, is the Bible really God's word? Is it really? You know, he makes us doubt. And Satan, you know, back then in the garden, he moved on. He, he, he probably said things like, you know, if God really loved you, then he would give you the things that you want. That's one of the lies that we hear today in the world, is that God being a God of love, part of his goal is to give us the things that we want. But Satan continues these attacks. And he might put ideas like that into our mind, but then he also questions God and questions God's word. Did God really say you can't do that? You know, you aren't hurting anybody. It's your life. Go ahead and do what you want to do. So in the Garden of Eden, after Satan introduced this idea into Eve's heart that maybe God was holding something back or maybe God was lying to her, or maybe her perspective on who God was just wasn't quite right. So Eve starts to question God in her heart. Maybe this guy's right. Maybe I can, you know, go further. Maybe I can eat something, you know, from, from the tree of uh, the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis 2 says, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but... You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Satan attacked that statement from God to Adam and to Eve. You know, in other words, God says, yeah, do whatever you want. You know, enjoy, have fun, you know, eat whatever, you know, is your fancy. But just that one in the middle, there's only one there that I want you to stay away from. And he didn't explain why. You know, it's not like, you know, well, you're not ready and one day we will or something. He didn't. He just said, just that one thing, don't do it. That's the truth that God wanted to place in their hearts and he had in their hearts until Satan tempted Eve and lied and basically said, you know, he's holding something back on you. He made Eve jealous. 
He made Eve feel like she was missing out. God will understand if you do it. Don't worry about it. Besides, no one has the right to judge you, Eve. It doesn't really matter, Eve, what you do, because God loves you, and, and he'll forgive you anyway. He just wants you to be happy. You know, these are the kinds of things that, that Satan was putting into Eve's heart, but also he puts into our hearts today. You know, we hear this stuff all the time. He just wants you to be happy. You know, he loves you. It doesn't really matter what you do. You know, God loves you, and he wants you to live a great life and be happy. And, you know, no one has the right to judge you. We're all independents. We're all different people. We're all, you know, we grow up. And, and through those four different ways we've learned, you know, what life's all about. And, it, and we're all different. So go ahead. Live your life. Live your dream. But go ahead and check out that new secretary in the office. Go ahead and watch that, that little show on your computer that you know you probably shouldn't. Go ahead and tell the little white lie. What difference is that? You're not hurting anybody. After all, you deserve this. These are the things that combat the truth of God living and resting in each one of our hearts. Now, I want to tell you, friends, we are all under attack. And we're under attack in many different ways. It might be our families. It might be us personally. It might be our marriages, our finances, our children, uh, our basic faith. But more than likely, it's probably all the above. But God has given us a way to combat, to combat the evils that, that Satan is trying to put into our hearts. He's trying to discredit the truth of God in our heart. There are ways to combat this. One of the ways is outlined in Ephesians chapter 6. And it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. Now, I won't, I'm not going to read through the whole list for you. Um, this week, I would I strongly encourage you to read Ephesians 6 and give some consideration there to what it is that God gives to us so that we can combat you know, this tendency that we have to question God's word at times. It comes through the temptations of Satan. It really does. Trust in the God that wrote the Bible to each one of us. Trust in the God that wrote this, this word, this love letter to each one of us, trying to address the issues that we might face in life. You know, God's word is a book that tells us about his plan, tells us about who he is, his standards, and his holiness. And it's also designed to arm us for fighting against the deceptions and the lies that you and I encounter. The scripture is a book of truth. Truth for when we're discouraged. The Bible reminds us. It says, Why am I so downcast, O my soul? Because I put my hope in God. It reminds us when our families are under attack. 
no weapon formed against us will prosper. And as for me and my house, we know the rest. We will serve the Lord. It tells us um, that when I feel like I can't make it another day, not to grow weary in doing good and to remember that through our relationship with Jesus, we receive a strength that God gives to us to continue on. It reminds us that when the diagnosis is not so good, that we need to remember that God's Word tells us, teaches us, that we can, we can do all things through Jesus that strengthens us if we only believe it. You know, one of the, one of the lies that we, we hear and we see in the world a lot about Satan is that Satan is this little guy with the pitchfork and the red tail, and that's not true. He's the angel of light, remember? One of the archangels. Another one of the lies is that Jesus, you know, we have this picture of him as a handsome-looking guy with, you know, a white robe on, and he's carrying a lamb around his, his neck or his shoulders. The book of Revelation reminds us, God's Word reminds us of another truth. Here's what it says in chapter 1. His head and his hair were like white wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all of its brilliancy. God's word reminds us that, yeah, Jesus does carry the lamb. He is the meek and the mild, and he's caring for those that are helpless and all those wonderful things. But he's also the warrior. He's also the one of all might and all power. And he stands up and he demands that you and I honor him in truth. You know the old adage, you can drink or you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. It's the same thing here. You know, God can write us a book, and, and he can lay it right down in front of us and, and tell us and assure us that it's filled with truth and, and all of these wonderful things. But if we're not willing to drink it, what good is it? If we're not willing to take it into our heart and mull it over, and what's the point? I want everyone to remember today, as you go through the week, I want you to remember... What C.S. Lewis said, there is no neutral ground in the universe. No neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and then counterclaimed by Satan. That statement that Lewis made, it's one of tremendous wisdom, I think. It gives us a description of the battle that we really have to face. You know, if everything seems to be going good, a lot of times we don't give God a second thought. We tell ourselves, you know, we deserve this, or it's not so bad, or everybody else is doing it, or whatever. But it might not go along with God's word or God's plan 
for how we should be living our life. The bottom line is, you're either going to live for God or you're not. You know, let's get real. You're going to do it or you're not going to do it. And if you're going to live for God, you got to get to know him. I mean, you got to read his word. you got to spend time mulling it over and asking God for understanding. you you got to spend time in prayer. you got to spend time in solitude. you gotta, you got to put forth the effort. We can't just assume, you know, like we do in so many aspects of this life, you know, that, that we understand it all or it all makes sense or it doesn't make sense. You know, you know everybody's opinion. That's not the way to approach the truth of God that he's given to us in Scripture. We need to approach it in a healthy way, through prayer and through reading, through meditation. Asking God to help us to understand so that what rests inside of our heart, so that what it is in our heart that will make us into the people that he wants us to be and cause us to live in the ways that he sees fit, in ways that honor him. That's the goal, is that our hearts would not be filled with the lies of the world, but instead with the truth of God. Tough Questions for God is a teaching ministry of the Rosebush United Methodist Church, where we challenge our faith with some of the most difficult issues. Tough Questions for God is available on Facebook Live, Sundays at 11.30 a.m., or go on our website at toughquestionsforgod.org and just follow the links on the homepage for YouTube or via podcast. Thanks for joining, and don't forget to like and share. God bless.